Where else can they find us, Steve? Oh, they can find us on Facebook. Mm-hmm. They can find us on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And they can find us on Instagram. Yes, sir. I feel like I, f- I feel like that was too much cowbell. Nope. There's really? never too much so. cowbell. Never too much cowbell. This is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Flurry, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. Well, you guys kind of fell on each other on that one. That's all right. Leave it. Okay. All right. That was stereo, man. (laughs) Stereo. (laughs) Uh, My name is Rob Minot. You notice the pause there? Robino? No, not Robino. <laughs> Joining me today, Mr. Ryan Flurry. That's me. And Mr. Steve Barkley. That's Stibberkley to you. Stibberkley. Stibberkley. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Oh, just swell. It is so nice and frickin' balmy here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We should talk about that. Where, so where, tell us where you were last week and how cold it was. I, I was in Saskatoon and it was in the uh, minus twenties with a wind chill, uh, which took it down to, uh, well, the coldest I saw was minus 43. By the time I walked out I, that morning, it was minus 39. That's it's insanity. Cold. Minus 43. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like. There's no places that have been minus 50 this year, 51. It's it's crazy this year. That's yeah, this is like I grew up in scary. I grew up in Grand Prairie, Alberta, which is, you know, northern Alberta, and I think we may have had, you know, in the I don't know, 18 years I was there, minus 40 twice. But yeah. I I can't imagine like what you had, like minus 43, minus 50 that other places have had. That's yeah, insanity. Calgary. Calgary's getting hit really hard this week again. I yeah. think they're back down to minus forty something. Yeah, the whole east is just getting clobbered mm-hmm. right now. It's crazy. Holy cow! Yeah. I mean, you can't even you you can't do anything with with without with any sort of exposed skin. Well, you can. It's just not pleasant. I see. Yeah. Wear a toque and a scarf. Yeah. You really do. After Cover being up. in Vancouver for so many years, I mean, you just forget how cold that is. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny, you know, because when I left Vancouver, I thought it was cold. When I got back to Vancouver, I'm like stripping off my, my outer jacket. It's like, whoo, okay. So nice. So nice. Yeah, you, it, you develop a whole new appreciation. Well, the downside to, you know, here or the upside to being, you know, in Alberta or, or further east is that it can be like minus 40, but it's sunny out, it's dry. Here we get yeah. that damp yeah, humidity true. that just soaks into your bones and then you can't get warm. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it sometimes feels colder here just because of the dampness. Yeah, that's true. That's what we tell ourselves anyways. Yeah, that's what I keep hearing. So we don't look like wimps when we're, when we're complaining. It's, that it's minus, minus six. It's minus. <laughs> I have a buddy in Calgary, and that, that's the game we played last week. I'd be like, oh, my God, it's minus six. And he'd be like, shut up. Now the, bigger, the bigger issue that I had while I was on the road, uh, the bigger issue I had was uh, this. This is, this, is my, this is my alarm when it goes off in the morning. Okay. Well, that would make you have to pee. See, it's a nice, it's a nice gentle yeah, like wake-up sound. You know, you know, not too, uh, not too jarring. Right. So while I'm at the hotel, I discovered there was a pipe directly behind the headboard of the of the bed, <laughs> and anytime somebody in the top three floors of the hotel flushed their toilet <laughs> I heard the sound of water running <laughs> and I have trained myself so that I can hit the snooze button before the dings start happening in that in that alarm so I it like this the moment I hear running water it's like boom I'm awake <laughs> and all night I kept oh, on waking no. up because wow. somebody upstairs would flush the toilet it's funny so yeah yeah I didn't get a lot of good sleep there <laughs> And how many days were you there? 
Uh, three days. Oof. Well, three nights. Oof. Hey, Ryan. Rob. What are we doing today? I don't know. Yes, you do. You Stop certainly lying. do. We are talking with Sean Marshallet from Blind Beginnings. Tell us a little bit about Blind Beginnings. Well, Blind Beginnings is an organization founded by Sean Marshallet, uh, and uh, it uh, teaches critical life skills and independent skills to uh, blind and visually impaired kids and also educates their families around issues related to low vision and blindness. Yeah, it's an absolutely amazing program. So he's uh, way more. So, we're so lucky in BC. He's way more eloquent than I would have been. That's true. Absolutely. Well, that is true. Yep. You guys want to talk some news? Oh, let's talk news. 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 So Walmart is phasing out their greeters. Uh, at, at about a thousand stores all around the U.S., workers with disabilities who fill many of those jobs um, are being told that uh, their jobs are being eliminated. Douche Ooh. move, Wally World. Boo, hiss, boo. Yeah. Walmart told greeters around the country last week that their positions would be eliminated on April 26 in favor of an expanded, more physically demanding customer host role. To qualify, they will need to be able to lift 25 pounds, uh, climb ladders, or stand for long periods of time. Right. That came to a heavy blow to greeters with cerebral palsy, spina bifida, and other physical disabilities. And I would, I would add to that seniors as well. There's yeah. a lot of seniors yeah. that, uh, that work those jobs as well. Uh, for them, a job at Walmart has provided needed income, served as a source of pride, and offered a connection to the community. Now Walmart, America's largest private employer, is facing backlash as customers rally around some of this chain's most visible and beloved employees. Uh, I, I was surprised to hear this. But after digging a little bit, this is something that's been in the works for a couple years now. They've been slowly phasing these positions out. As early as 2016, I think I read, they came out with this idea that they wanted to change that greeter position into uh, a customer host position that would be able to help with returns, uh, go get carts, um, do whatever needed to be done over at the front of the store. Um, as opposed to just greeters. And um, from the sounds of it, even last year, uh, they did a, a, an initial round of, of um, restructuring. Uh, I'm not sure how big it was. I don't think it was very big, but they were able to keep it low-key enough that the word really didn't spread. And this, this particular phase is uh, a second round of, of obviously larger restructuring i'll say uh and unfortunately for walmart um social media actually took notice this time (laughs) and uh that's where this a lot of this uh backlash is because the media really got a hold of it and and started running with these stories well there should be backlash i mean this is a company that uh, last year made uh, 6.67 billion dollars in profit it's 51% owned by the Walton family. Mm-hmm. Wow. So the Walton family themselves could put an end to this <laughs> today if they wanted to. Yep. And, you know, show that they were actually something more than money grubbers. But unfortunately, Walmart has always been an employer that has been less interested in their employees than they have been in their profits. Well, okay. And by, okay, before we, we, before we pull out the flamethrowers... I, I will we'll temper it a little bit in saying that there have been recent there have been recent articles where they have gone on record saying that they're going to try their best to make sure that their their current employees are able to find other positions at their WalMarts. So they they don't want they they want to try to keep everybody employed. Now, granted, I think that a little bit of that is just corporate posturing yeah, uh, and what they kind of have to say. Um, I mean, I'm not, look, I, I am not a proponent of Walmart by any means. I don't think that they, they, you know, are, are a corporate golden standard by any means. Um, 
But then again, the flip side of that is that they did create the program in the first place in the early 2000s, the whole idea of the, that greeter position and being able to employ people with disabilities, seniors, you know, that was started by them in the first place. And we have to kind of give them a little bit of credit for that. I mean, yes, it was, it was great optics for them. They got a, a lot of praise for it. Companies do this all the time. Companies restructure. People lose their jobs because their positions have been phased out all the time. I don't shop at Walmart. And I won't shop at Walmart unless I have no other option. Fair enough. I avoid that store like the plague. Um, and I have ever since they showed that they were willing to shut down a store entirely rather than let it go union. Oh yeah, that's right. I remember that story. Yeah. They are not interested in people making a living wage at Walmart. Mm -hmm. um, you know, all across the U.S., Walmart employees have to rely on food stamp programs. That's right. I remember because that too. they can't get good paying full-time positions out of Wally World. So, you know, I, I have very little respect for the company, the company's policies, particularly surrounding how they treat their employees. And this is just, for me, just one more nail in the coffin for them. But it makes you wonder why, you know, was it just good optics? Why did they create it in the first place? Like, what was it, what was it about? Because yeah, I, don't on, know. I mean, honestly, like there, there have been people where they, they heaped praise on Walmart for creating this program in the first place. Mm -hmm. And really what other big corporation a retail chain or otherwise has any sort of a, a similar program in place for, for, for people with disabilities? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure, but to, uh, to, to create the position and then pull the rug out from under him, I think is really stinky. Oh, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Uh, and I don't buy this idea of, uh, you know, they're going to find other positions for the greeters within the stores. I don't think that there are other positions, mm -hmm. um, that, you know, like, like I said, if, if there was a greeter that was working as a greeter and there was a, another position in the store that they would have been able to go do, they probably would have transitioned from greeter to that position over the five years that they worked at Walmart anyways, if there was such a position that they could go to. Um, and I think that what's going to happen with this is it's all going to, it's all going to sort of depend on store to store. There's not going to be grand sweeping layoffs or fire. I don't know what they, what they're calling these. I guess there, there wouldn't be layoffs. There would just be literally just you, your position doesn't exist anymore. See ya. Um, I think that those will happen on an individual basis. Um, I think that Walmart will point to certain special cases where it's just like, oh, look, Frank, we were able to put Frank in the self-service uh, checkout position. Uh, so, you know, and he has cerebral palsy. So, you know, he's able, you know, and, and they'll, they'll claim that as a victory. But I think in general, I think that a lot of people uh, are going to lose their jobs. I imagine. So don't shop at Walmart. <laughs> Boycott Walmart. <laughs> well, but I think the, I think the <clears throat> bigger, more important discussion is, especially with these big corporations, there's, there's an element of social responsibility that we should put on them to, like, why are there not positions created that where where people with disabilities could be employed we used to hear a lot of stuff around uh equity in uh, both in um uh schools universities colleges as well as in the workplace and you don't hear as much about that anymore whether it be you know racial equity or or um you know uh, equity for people with disabilities uh, you know maybe I don't know, was it just a hot topic of the 90s or something that faded away and we, we really don't care about social justice anymore? Or is it just a, a, a byproduct of our, our society getting meaner, you know? I, well, you know, I, I mean, honestly, not to get too far off into the weeds, but I also think it's, it's a little bit of tribalism. Mm -hmm. I think that these days people are immediately painted with one brush or another, depending on what particular opinion they hold about any one given topic. So, you know, if you, if you put, you know, speak up 
you know, in one sense, boom, okay, well, you're a social justice warrior and you're, you're over there in that camp. And if you yeah. have any other sort of contrary opinion, well, whoop, you're way over there on the right. Nazi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, I think that's part of the problem is that, uh, it, and that type of attitude doesn't really encourage discourse. You know, people, people are losing the ability to actually talk calmly and rationally to each other without getting into screaming matches and, and calling each other names. Shut up, Rob, you jackass. <laughs> <laughs> Case in point. <laughs> no, it's, um, it'll be interesting to see what happens here. Um, this is a really, now, <laughs> since all this uh, social media um, went viral, uh, it's, it's pretty high profile now. And so I think Walmart's really sort of trying to figure out how the hell they're going to manage this PR wise. Yeah. Well, we'll see what they do, but, um, you know, and it's sad to say, I think if they just kind of, um, wait it out, wait for the storm to die out and then slowly start to roll these, this stuff out slowly. Mm -hmm. Um, I think people will, it'll just be the outrage of the week and then people will kind of forget about it and they'll just slowly make these changes and, They'll be yeah, back. it'd be interesting to, yeah. you know, they'll be back to Walmart for the cheap Pop-Tarts. Yep. Be interesting to make a note of this and check back in six months and see if there is anything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We got any good news stories? No. Yeah, did we talk oh, about wait, this yes, last we week? Do. Okay, we did, do. Okay, yeah. Uh, let's, let's didn't we talk about that last week? Well, Trying to get more good news stories on here? Hold on. I need more stories okay, well, about you puppies. Want, well, okay, listen, you want to talk something positive? Let's talk about the fact that dentists... Uh, down in the states are no longer allowed to turn away patients due to disabilities. Yeah, this one this one surprised me because I didn't realize they did. Uh, you know, I didn't even realize that was a that was a thing. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess for people who are uh, you know say autistic or have some sort of other um, developmental disability, uh, going to the, I mean, going to the dentist is stressful mm -hmm. for anybody, but it can be even worse for someone in that position and I, I guess what's happened historically is that dentists have found that you know it takes the appointments have to be sometimes a lot longer uh, there have to be all kinds of special considerations when they're dealing with somebody mm -hmm. who, who maybe has uh, developmental disabilities um, and in some cases they just I guess some dentists have just felt they weren't able to accommodate them and would just turn them turn them away um, so so what's happened now is that the American uh, Dental Association has revised its code of conduct that prohibits denial of care uh, across the board like that. So even in cases where that particular dentist maybe doesn't have the equipment or the expertise um, to accommodate uh, somebody with disabilities, um, they're required to help the patient find someone, another dentist that does. They're just not allowed to like just say, nope, you're out of luck and turn them away. So, uh, you know, it's a small step. It's a step in the right direction for sure. Now the figures should make them cheaper. <laughs> Indeed. I got 300 bucks to get my teeth cleaned. Oh, here's my favorite news article of the week. The writing of this AI is so human that its creators are scared to release it. So... <laughs> Oh yeah, this is this is interesting. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so OpenAI, a uh, a research firm uh, backed by guys like uh, Elon Musk and a bunch of other uh, wealthy guys, uh, it was founded with the mission of discovering and enacting the path to safe artificial general intelligence. So uh, they developed a new system called GPT two. Uh, which they say is the next generation of predictive text. And you basically throw some text at it. And then from that point forward, um, it learns your text, your, your content, and you can have it write stuff for you. Well, apparently the writing that it does is so realistic and looks so human um, that the concern is that uh, it'll be used to uh, create fake news stories yeah. and disinformation. Yeah, what really strikes me about this, too, is that I feel like if it hadn't been for the past five years uh, of, of the political landscape that we're at and the whole idea of fake news and, you know, and all these all these fake Facebook stories, mm -hmm. I feel like if it wasn't for that, 
we would have just gone right ahead for this technology. Like this whole idea of fake news is such a, it's such a unique thing that's really only a result of, of, you know, the past few years that, uh, well, you used to know what the fake news was, right? Like, yeah, you'd, exactly. You'd, you'd walk into the grocery line and there's Bat Boy on the, the weekly world news. Like you knew, you knew that was fake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, the national Enquirer. Yeah. You, you looked at it and you went, ah, yeah, all right, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but you know, the Washington post, you figured they might have some journalistic standards for it's example. True. So yeah, now with the, with social media spreading all of this stuff around as if it's equal, um, yeah, it's a, it's a major problem. But it's really interesting. Like it's interesting that, that the, the artificial intelligence and the, and the machine learning and has gotten that good, like that it can literally take what was it like two or three sentences and just continue on and, and like just completely ape that style to the, to the degree where you, you wouldn't be able to tell where a human um, stopped and, and the machine started. So, well, even look at the outcry that, you know, some people had at Google IO last year when they had, you know, the AI bot calling restaurants to make reservations, yeah. you know, that human interaction with a bot that stuff they're just telling us. That stuff is going on all the time. It'll be interesting to see what happens this year. I think they learned a lot from that. <laughs> I, I do. I don't think they're going to make that mistake again. But it's true. But, you know, it's good that there is pushback. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this this particular example of this news story, this wasn't even pushback. This is just the actual, in a, in a really unique twist, the people who actually created it say, Whoa, wait a second. are smart enough to go, oh, okay, maybe we shouldn't do that. Yeah. Ethics. Yeah. AI and ethics. Yeah. yeah. I wish more scientists would, you Because know. one day there's going to be a scientist be like, hey, let's clone an alligator and an ape <laughs> and, and an, an lion together and see what happens. And then let it loose out in the lab. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. A lapophant. Yep. Hey, Steve, why don't you tell the fine folks about Canadian Assistive Technology? Well, Canadian Assistive Technology is a Canadian-based distributor of, guess what, Assistive Technology. I would not have guessed that. Uh, really? Oh, i got to work something better into the name then. <laughs> um, and uh, we do uh, all kinds of low vision and blindness aids, as well as all kinds of physical access aids and uh, accessible furniture, you name it. Visit our website at www.canastech.com. Rick, let me ask you about this. Chaos Technical Services. Chaos Technical Services. Don't sound so excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Speaking of repairs. We are the sister company to Canas Tech. Um, we do the repairs on uh, low vision devices, uh, uh, reading machines uh, for libraries, braille printers, and pretty well anything in between. We can be found at uh, www.chaostechnicalservices.com. Joining us now is Sean Marshallet, who is the executive director from Blind Beginnings. Well, we've got the normal gang in the room, Sean. We've got Rob. Hey. Hi. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> and we got Steve. Hi, Steve. He's looking for his mom. Oh, I'm a cowbell. It's kind of out of reach, Steve. We should move that. Yeah, we should move that. It's on a stand. Pull it closer. Yeah, but it's... Well, it's been a year since we had Sean Marshallet on the show with us. So, Sean, why don't we play catch-up? Okay. Any, anything uh, interesting happened in the last year? <laughs> we did a cool community art project to commemorate our 10 years. So um, it was this clay sculpture where all lots of kids that are involved with Blind Beginnings and their siblings and parents and volunteers all made these art, these clay pieces that we then sort of, we made like a mini totem pole with the pole part being white canes. So there's three white canes and then a bunch of clay pieces of different shapes and colors on top of like sort of strung, I don't know how to describe it, (laughs) strung on like a totem pole. Um, And that's kind of, so over the past 10 years, we tried to get families and youth who've been involved, some from the very beginning. And it's kind of like a, you know, everybody made a piece that, that represented something that was important to them, like might be like, uh, I made my hands, um, sort of like a replica of my hands, and there was the letter B, or flowers, or 
I don't know, somebody made a canoe. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. And it's something that's tactile and can be appreciated whether you can see it or not. And I think we're going to try to have it at our gala this, this coming up in April. So people can check it out. Excellent. You should auction it off. Well, yeah, but we want to keep it. <laughs> it's sort of, I mean, the problem is we don't, we still don't have our own place, our own building that's ours. Right. But one day, hopefully we will, and then it can be in the lobby or, you know, it can be sort of a feature that people can check out. Um, so that was something kind of fun we did. Uh, some of our youth also launched a tandem cycling club this past summer, so we partnered with BC Blind Sports and used some of their bikes and actually got a few new tandems donated to us when people heard about the program. And so youth were riding on Sunday mornings through the spring and summer. Um, that was something new. I don't know. I mean, we really, we just be kind of ticking along. We're definitely growing. We just uh, posted a position. We're hiring a director of operations. So that's probably the biggest news because um, we're, we've kind of gotten to the point where it's, it's really too big for me to manage um, as the leader of this ship mm-hmm. and <laughs> I need help and I really don't get excited about the business side of things. So <laughs> I need somebody who can oversee the fundraising and the finances sure. and the HR and basically the business so that I can focus on programs, right. program development and continue to be the face of the organization but just stepping away from some of that business side yeah, which got, doesn't get me excited mm-hmm. I, I got all excited when i saw your job posting i thought oh, i'm gonna ditch ryan and rob i knew you would yeah. i knew it. i was actually gonna call you and say don't yeah. apply <laughs> <laughs> well the posting's there <laughs> Yeah, I, I checked the qualifications. I'm utterly unqualified. Well, we are willing to look at... No, you're not. <laughs> well, just, just know that, that part of the job, his, his, his mandate is... We come he, with he him. He demands yeah, two right. assistants. Well, we'd also love a Blind Beginnings podcast, and we need tech support, so really... Oh, hey, there you go. <laughs> Done. When do we start? <laughs> yeah, it's a big deal, definitely, because whoever I hire, I don't I don't I don't think I know this person yet like it's not like we have somebody waiting in the wings to step in it's truly going to be probably somebody new to us and I need to like them and I need and and it might be hard for them too because Mm -hmm. working with a founder of any organization can be challenging right I I like I want it to be a certain way I have really high standards and so I'm, I'm handing over like part of my heart to somebody and hoping that they're going to care about it as much as I do, which is, yeah, that's a tall order. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to talk a little bit about, about the programs themselves. Uh, And some of this might be um, for for people who sort of tuned in on the episode we had you on last. Um, This might be a little bit of uh, of review, but step us through some of the different programs that you offer there and anything that maybe has been new in the past year? So we have for the past year been partnering with CNIB to provide support to early intervention families. So that's kids birth to five. Mostly it's the parents that we're working with, not so much the little children. Um, And so because of that partnership, you know, we're looking at families all across the province. And so we really are moving online. So we're offering parent groups online and looking to offer some of our sort of longstanding workshops for youth online as well. So our Creating Confidence workshop, we're trying to to sort of convert that to an online workshop, what happens after grad, um, and then lots, a variety of, of groups and support groups and workshops for parents as well. Uh, our youth leadership program continues to plug along and we're we're having our leadership training weekend April 12th to 14th. So any youth that are 13 to 19 who want to come to Vancouver for a three-day weekend and learn leadership skills, it's really fun. You get to stay in a hotel and use the SkyTrain to get back and forth every day and, and just, you know, kind of encourage independence and hopefully leadership skills. And the hope is that they stay in the program for a year following that and work on projects together. And we've got lots of different youth projects that 
often it's an idea that the youth have come up with themselves and we kind of support them to to turn it into an actual program. So we've got like a newsletter committee, a technology committee, um, the tandem cycling group was was a youth committee. So it it has evolved over time. We in the past did a flash mob and that was a youth project that one of the youth wanted to do a flash mob. So we made it happen <laughs> and really they made it happen. So yeah, it's an awesome program. Um, and then our summer camps. So we have two camps this every summer. One of them is on Hornby Island and the other one is going to be in the Fraser Valley. This, I think it's near Maple Ridge and I can't think of the name of it right now. And that's a family camp. So the whole family comes. It doesn't matter how old your child is. Well, as long as they're like 19 or younger. <laughs> hmm. um, and, and it's fun. The kids get to do some cooking they they're actually responsible for making sure that we eat at least the communal meals so they learn some life skills but we also have some you know do some fun activities as well so lots of fun um and when you say you're you're partnered with cnb do they are they kind of helping like in in terms of the parent workshop say specifically are they sort of helping by uh, pushing people your way um i think that they're I hope so, but uh, basically the partnership is, it's a Ministry of Child and Family Development contract, so we're a subcontractor, so I, I work as part of their team, and they have vision specialists that are more the sort of ongoing support to families until their child enters the school system, so they will work with the, you know, infant development or occupational therapist or physiotherapist that's working with the child and kind of share the vision side of things to those professionals if they don't have that expertise. And then they're, they're, they consult with the families. So if you're working on something specific, like how do I encourage my child to feed himself, then the vision specialist would be there to provide some recommendations. So they're actually visiting families in their homes across the province and case managing. My role is more the um, networking families to each other. So my job is to create these, these places for families to come together. So we're also doing regional family retreats. So in November, we went to the Okanagan and we did a weekend retreat for the families in that area. And the hope was that the families come together, they meet each other, and then maybe they're more comfortable to connect online because they've already met face-to-face. -face. So I'm hoping to um, do one in on Vancouver Island and in the Fraser Valley this year. So we're kind of, the goal is two regional retreats per year, but then also doing these regular online groups in the meantime. Let's talk about the programs themselves, because I feel like a lot of them are, are very unique and, and really, really important. How do you come up with, with some of the the programs themselves? Is it it, are you talking to people in the community? Are you talking to the kids and asking sort of what issues or hot topics for them that they would like uh, assistance with? Um, how do you, how do you kind of you know brainstorm the the programs themselves up? Well, honestly, a lot of it is like what I wish I had when I was a youth. Um, so like, or it's it's taking pieces of what I did have and then adding to it. So for example, the youth leadership program, there's a really high unemployment rate for people who are blind. And, and it's not because blind people aren't capable, obviously, it's just, you know, maybe they don't have the confidence, maybe they don't have the skills, or maybe they don't know how to sell themselves, or there's lots of different reasons. And one of them, obviously, is that maybe people aren't ready to give them a chance. So there's all of that. So how do you prepare youth to be able to face that, right? So when I was a teenager, I went to a program called Go For It, where we, we had to do mock job interviews and we learned about career exploration and how to prepare a resume and, and how to dress in an interview. And they actually videotaped our mock interviews and then we had to watch them in front of everybody and get, you know, get <laughs> feedback, which is like horrifying, but anyways. Um, Main, I mean, one that was really important to me was just connecting with other kids right. like me. And in my daily life, I was the only one in my school that was visually impaired. So I didn't have that opportunity unless I was at camp. And that was really back when I was going to school, that was the only opportunity was that one week of the year in the summer where I got to be with other kids that were like me. 
and I lived for that. You know, that was like so important to me. So, and I just like, it just didn't seem fair that it was only once a year and the rest of the year I had to feel really isolated. Like I wasn't like everybody else. And this was not the days of, you know, Skype and mm. <laughs> Zoom and Facebook. It was like literally <laughs> writing letters and sending them in the mail and then waiting three weeks to get one back and having to have somebody read it to me because it wasn't in a format I could read. Like right. these things have really changed <laughs> for the better. Um, so yeah, like some of it is just opportunities to bring youth together. I also don't remember ever, I don't remember really needing blind role models when I was young. I didn't really know what I could be, what, you know, what were the options for me? Not that there has to be somebody blind doing it before I could do it, but it just, I didn't have any kind of idea of what my future would look like. I don't remember meeting a blind parent or anything like that. So <clears throat> that's something else that I really want to bring to these kids, right? Just like normalize it. There's lots of us out, out there and we're mm -hmm. doing awesome things. And um, so that's part of, yeah, like the connection for me is really important, I think. Um, but yeah, and like, so I'll, let me think about an example. Creating Confidence is a mm -hmm. workshop that I created back. It was one of the first ones. And it's really designed to teach social skills, um, body language, facial expressions. And literally, we have sighted volunteers who give us feedback on what we look like, like the way we're sitting. What messages does that say to people who, are, who can see us? Because when you're blind, you know, sometimes... You're not necessarily thinking about like, oh, the way I'm sitting maybe looks like I'm bored, but I'm actually not. I'm just comfortable or whatever. It's so it's something we have to sort of be conscious of. And and I think often people don't want to offend us. So they might say they might not tell us if we're doing something, quote unquote, wrong, <laughs> socially wrong, because they don't want to offend. But so in the Creating Confidence Workshop, this is a place where not like we offend everybody but we <laughs> we have to be honest because we're not helping anybody if we aren't honest right right so um and then things like boundaries like personal space like some blind kids will get in your space they just they're they don't really know where that line is that's not comfortable for people and i'm assuming if you're sighted maybe you notice somebody's facial expression or or their body language if you've kind of come into their space too much but we aren't going to notice necessarily right so i remember when i started working with blind youth i would just take a step back and they would take a step forward and i would take a step back and they would take a step forward and before i knew it my back was against the wall and i'm like okay you're in my bubble you need to back up i'm not comfortable right and so we we talk about that and we literally practice like standing up face-to-face, -face, which that's going to be a hard one to do hmm. online. <laughs> and then fashion, like what's, what are kids your age wearing? What do people wear to school? What do they wear to a party? What do they wear to a job interview? Um, you know, and, and yeah, what is in style? Because it changes so much. It's really hard to stay on top of that. And if you can't see what your friends are wearing and you can't see what people are wearing in the media, hairstyles, all that stuff. So that this whole workshop is all about that. And it's really just something I feel I never got. And I think I'm a fairly appropriate, <laughs> you know, socially appropriate, I think. Um, and I do, I did grow up with a mother who really cares about appearances. So if I was doing something wrong, she definitely would have told me. And at the time I probably hated that. But now I'm grateful because I do know, you know, you gotta face people when they're talking to you, whether you can see them or not, and you need to smile. People, sighted people smile a lot. I learned as an adult, like not not just when something's funny or makes you happy, but just sort of politely acknowledging somebody with a bit of a smile. And that's something I have to consciously think about to do. I'm with you. I don't smile. No. No. <laughs> no. Oh no, my gosh, I don't smile at all. That's so true. I, I shot a, a <clears throat> promotional video uh, with Ryan as a as a model. <laughs> And uh, I got it home and I started editing it and I realized, like, oh my God, I don't think this is usable because <laughs> he looks miserable. He looks oh, just no. like well, he hates his life. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan has resting bitch face. Yeah, he <laughs> really does. Well, what well, I think I do too. It's the concentrating neutral face and it can look really unapproachable. I know somebody said that to me once. They said, yeah, you look unapproachable. And I'm like, oh no, that's totally not 
But, you know, if I'm sitting in a lecture and I'm listening, I'm not thinking that I need to be smiling. But apparently, you know, someone glances over at you, you smile back. And it's just you don't think about it if you can't see all of that. Well, what I find interesting, too, Sean, is I don't know if you've ever heard, but I, I don't my eyes are closed all the time. Okay. And I don't have prosthetics. I used to. But when I did wear the prosthetics, you know, my eyelids were open and your face looks more full and full of expression. Mm. With my eyes closed all the time, you know, I think that really plays a lot into your facial expressions. It's true. Yeah. So, you know, it's something to, to keep in, in mind as well as, you know, when I wear my eyes, I have more expression when I don't. It's like, F you all, you know. Right. <laughs> well, that's your general attitude. Only with you. No, no. Uh, I love Steve. Have you heard, like, a, a, child, a, a child that's born without vision, something like a smile, like they'll smile when they're happy and they'll smile. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's something that happens naturally. But to smile for the camera... Uh, on cue is actually really hard mm -hmm. and when you're sighted I think you you see your you see photos of yourself and you see the smile and you're like oh I don't like that I want to fix that or you know you can you can make changes to it every time you catch yourself smiling you probably adjust a little bit until you figure out what you like but for someone who's blind from birth they don't they can't do that so I can sure. think of one of my youth who has such a hard time and when he smiles he looks angry like it's like a grimace <laughs> <because> <laughs> he's trying to mimic that feeling of when he's laughing but it's not really natural yeah. and so yeah things we take for granted but that's why it's such an amazing program and and I think really really important because you know what at what other time would um, somebody who's visually impaired you know especially a youth be able to have these conversations and and work this stuff out, uh, if not with their peers, in a in a very safe environment like you you provide. So, I mean, I I I just wish I wish there were programs like yours across the country. Yeah, it is really important, um, and I do think that one of the strengths is that you know the person leading is blind too, and it, not that it has to be that way, but I feel like. Having an adult say to you, this is hard for me too, or I struggle with this, or it just, it, it sort of gives them permission to be honest about what's going on for them. Right. Like we, we also talk a lot about some of the misconceptions about blindness. So what are, what, what might sighted people be thinking about us, you know, just on face value and then how to make people comfortable with our blindness and just giving them some tips to navigate that because it's life, right? It's going to happen if you're out in the world, it's going to happen every day. You're going to encounter people that have their misconceptions and you kind of need your toolbox ready <laughs> to be able to, to deal with what comes up and know that you're not the only one, that there's a whole group dealing with it too. The other thing that, that strikes me as a really important co component of, of all of this is, is education. And that's educating the general public. I, I feel like that's something that still... We, we haven't really cracked the code on in, in terms of being able to to really prove to the public we're competent, <laughs> yeah. that we're able, we can be independent. You're right. It is. So actually, that's kind of something we're planning this year that's new and exciting is um, we're we're developing a speaker's bureau. We're hoping to come up with a name that's a little more exciting than speaker's bureau, but training um youth or young adults or board you know a bunch of competent blind people to go out and actually look for opportunities to do public education and do presentations because yeah it's only like you can give these youth all the skills in the world and all the confidence build them up right <laughs> and then you're still sending them out into a world that might not be ready and yeah, yeah it it i wish yeah, I wish there was, I used to dream about being like the Rick Hansen of blindness. Like, I feel like we need <laughs> some blind person to do some amazing thing, but it's not really that. That's not really going to solve the problem because no. it's not, you don't need some big inspiring person. You just need people to realize that blind people are just like everyone else. We just do things a little differently. And there's a couple things that sighted people could do that makes life easier, but you know, it's not that big of a deal really. It's, not as much of a big deal as everyone thinks it is, I think. Right. 
Now we're all now we're all deep in thought. Yeah. Well, I'll just trying to come up with programs for you. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to figure out some uh, gimmick that uh, you know send send Sean around the world on a horse or something. <laughs> I wanted to ride my bike across the country back when I was learning echolocation with Daniel Kish. That was kind of I thought, oh, that'd be cool, just you know, blind person riding a bike, but. I had a hard enough time just riding down the street. <laughs> I wasn't that good at it. Practice, practice, practice. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know, some kind of public service announcement or something. Like, people don't care until it matters to them. That's yeah. right. No, That's I, exactly I also right. think, I, I don't really know how to start a blog, but I've written lots of blog posts. And basically every day, when not every day, but whenever something happens that ticks me off, somebody's comment, somebody's reaction, somebody's ignorance, I will write about what happened. And so I have quite a collection <laughs> and right. I feel like they should be published somewhere because it's educational and I think it's funny sometimes and it's interesting. I don't know how to do that though. And will you read it if you're not connected to blindness anyways? Like who cares about a blind person's you know, frustrations really, unless they're in your family or a friend or whatever. So I don't know. It's tough. But, you know, that's almost that. But that's exactly the type of message I feel like needs to be sent to the general public. I almost feel like things like um, like what what was that term that somebody used? I think they called it disability porn, mm -hmm. where it was this idea of or inspiration porn, where it was like right. all these, you know, this idea of, oh, look, here's somebody who's visually yeah, impaired. Like, oh, oh, look, There's they got out of bed. That's so inspirational. Such yes. inspiration, you know. <laughs> oh, give you look, they walked down the street. That's so inspirational. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. And, and, and I think that it's, you know, rightly so. Like people who are, who are in that situation just roll their eyes at it because it's ridiculous. And I think that we want to move away from that. I, I read a great, a great quote. I don't, I have no idea who said it. But, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, but they were like, look, I, I don't want to be somebody's inspiration. All I want to do is I want somebody to take five minutes and try to understand how I'm living my life and, and what my day to day is. Then I'm happy. I don't I don't need to be, you know, inspiration for the country. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. I think that 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 nails it right on the right on the head. Yeah, exactly. It's um that idea that, oh, seeing you, I, I had somebody at the SkyTrain station say to me once, you know, I, I see you often here and, and if I'm having a bad day, it just really, it just makes me so grateful for my situation. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, I'm like, you actually think you're complimenting me, but that's really offensive. <laughs> you know, that, oh, well, I, my life's better because it couldn't possibly be a uh, You know, that idea. So, ugh, yeah, yeah. You know, I was um, I was chatting with uh, one of the guys from uh, AMI uh, out of their Edmonton office the other day, and uh, I, I was thinking about that skit that that your uh, your group did a while back about what not to do with blind people, yes. and uh, <laughs> and I, I was saying, you know, they they should really do segments on that, uh, but not just for what not to do with blind people, but you know what not to do with people in wheelchairs, mm -hmm. and, yep. you know, because because yeah. it, it's it. it it's very common across various disability groups that, that, you know, the, the general public are just stupidly ignorant in how they deal with people yeah. sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there does need to be public education on it. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think, I think you you've got a great idea and, uh, I think you ought to talk to AMI. I think you ought to pitch them on a segment. Yeah. Yeah. Or even some, you know, even some sort of type of program where, you know, somebody who's able-bodied is paired with somebody who's blind for three hours. How much would somebody who doesn't know anything about um, what it's like to be visually impaired, if you were to just shadow somebody who was for three hours, think of how much you would learn. Yeah. On how they get around. I mean. You know what would happen, though? Other people would be coming up to me saying, do you know you're being followed? <laughs> <laughs> some weirdo following you. He's got a camera. He's taking notes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, some days, some, some, I think of, it's usually when I'm commuting, you know, when I'm back and forthing to wherever that stuff happens. And sometimes nothing happens and it's just like, oh, wow, that's refreshing. No one 
bugged me today. <laughs> Nobody asked me about my blindness. Nobody tried to help me unnecessarily. Um, but yeah, usually there is something. There's some really crazy thing. Well, it happens right across. Well, it happens all around the world. You know, I follow a couple of people on Twitter who are, you know, have hashtags they use called ask, don't grab. And, you know, oh, yeah. they go across the street and somebody's dragging them across the street and they didn't want to, you know, go that direction. They want to go the other way or, you know, yes. these things happen. So education is important. I just don't know how we get it out to everybody. Mm-hmm. I, I think you, uh, I think you implant tasers on the sleeves, <laughs> sleeves of your jackets. <laughs> Somebody walks up and grabs you, they just go berserk. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the uh, gala that's coming up. Uh, when is it and what is it? So it's April 6th and it's our annual fundraising dinner and auction. So we'll have a silent auction, a live auction. We've got uh, WestJet tickets to we raffle them off with our balloons. Um, so you buy a $50 balloon, you only sell so many and you have a chance to win these tickets. Plus we'll have like second and third prize as well. Um, we're, we actually had a really awesome MC and then she double booked herself. So I won't name her, but I'm really disappointed. So we're looking at <laughs> figuring out who our MC is going to be. Oh, are, you, are you serious? She's not coming yeah. now? No. I know. Aww. She's the keynote at some other gala. Of course day. she is. So yeah. I know. I couldn't believe it. Mm. I'm so excited. Anyways, but it's always <laughs> a fun night. There'll be entertainment. There'll be some speeches. We'll be giving out our Seeing All People Award. And I'm really excited about the business that's getting the award this year. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, it's. I, I think one of the best things about the event is that it's a really positive evening. I think a lot of galas can sort of play on the pity angle of, you know, these poor, these poor children, these poor people, these, you know, please give us money so we can right. help them. Blind Beginnings isn't really about that. Basically, we need support so that kids can grow up to be self-sufficient, independent, happy adults. And, you know, with the right support, they absolutely will. So nobody needs to feel sorry for them. It's just they do need a little bit of extra support along the way in order to get there. And so, yeah, I like that. It's it's my favorite, probably my favorite day of the year because I get to see lots of people that I like <laughs> and know <laughs> coming together to show their support for something that's so important to me. So it's really fun, kind of like better than Christmas. And, um, yeah, it's really – it's at the Executive's executive in near Lothian Skytrain Station. Yay. So it's walking distance from the Skytrain, so you don't need to drive. And um, really fun. Tickets are $100, and you can buy them on our website, blindbeginnings.ca. And we're going green this year, so there's not going to be any physical tickets. Um, so you'll have to check in at the door, and then we'll let you know which, which table you're at. But you can write down who you want to sit with when you buy your ticket. So if you have other friends and you want to be at the same table, you can make that arrangement. Now, in terms of fundraising, uh, is this your the big fundraising event for you guys? during the course of the year it is it's i wouldn't say how do i it, it is the biggest fundraiser that we do and it's put on by a committee of volunteers mostly um it doesn't it, it pro well this year based on our budget we will probably maybe raise 10 percent of what we need to raise in the year so it's not like right. oh 50 percent of our fund funding comes from this event because in the beginning like the first gala i think we raised ten thousand dollars well that's not going to go very far right uh, but it, it's also, I think, you know, it's it's an important fundraiser, but it's also an opportunity to kind of showcase what we're doing, celebrate what we're doing, and raise awareness. Uh, Unless you want to talk about. I know. I feel like I've been here so many times now. <laughs> uh, get used to it. It's an annual thing. Is it? Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Probably more than well, annual. That could be a regular. Yep. Deep well, Thoughts that, by Sean. That's, that's what we right. <laughs> What's pissed me off this week? <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Actually, my latest beef is when I bump into people and I say sorry. And they oh, don't. I do that all the time. If but, I... like, why do they not answer? Just acknowledge <laughs> something. Like, say it's okay or say, yeah. oh, no, I'm sorry or say something. But they're just silent. And then I feel like, why did I apologize? You should have apologized. You're the one that can see. Well, I don't know. I don't know about you, but, you know, I'll be walking with my wife's sighted guide and I'll bump into a pole and say sorry. 
I don't even know it's a poll necessarily, but yeah, they don't, they, they don't answer you back and just makes yeah. you angry. Totally. <laughs> the poll is never going to answer you back, right? Well, it might one day, you never know. <laughs> it might have a beacon nope, in AI, it. And AI, 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 AI polls. Yep. Sure. Google <laughs> Assistant That's right. Eye beacons, you know. Uh, well, hey, let's just throw this out into the room. Uh, what have you been? What piece of AT have you been playing with recently that's uh, excited you? Anything? Um, you, you, have you tried Ira? I haven't, but everybody is telling me that I need to. <laughs> so I was gonna do. Their, they had like a seven day free trial, yep. but I was I was heading to Vegas that week, and I thought, well, I don't want to use data while I'm away, so I didn't. I didn't. I downloaded the app, but then I never followed through and actually connected. So I do want to try it. It, it sounds pretty incredible. I'm still pretty impressed with seeing AI. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> That's probably. Uh, one of the best things that's come along in a long time, and that's kind of what I'm using. So even to identify, you know, a can in my cupboard or something in my fridge or just a piece of mail that comes through because it's just quick and easy. But yeah, that's I'm I'm so not tech, you guys. Not. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm the last one to try most things because I want to make sure that I know lots of people that know how to do it for when I get into trouble because I inevitably will get into trouble and not know how to work it. So, and yeah. do you do you ever have a fear, like the rest of us old folks? Um, Are you calling me? <laughs> well, you know what? I, you know you, that was Rob. That, I was, I'm just saying, welcome to the club because you are wow. of a generation. I'm just, just saying, throwing her under the bus. You're, you're of a generation that. that this is this is one of my camp kids you're talking to. So, so if she's if she's old, what is that? Where does that leave me? Uh, but no, you 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 know you've been around before smartphones. Are you just digging? Yeah. So does is there a part of you that kind of goes well? I'm a little afraid of of putting so much emphasis on these tools that might take away from hard. <laughs> mobility or or hard skills um because people will rely on being able to just you know pull out their smartphone and take a picture and yes figure something out that way and and sort of you know almost almost make the next generation sort of too reliant on something like assistive technology total so with gps absolutely i have not used any kind of gps app because i feel like if I'm plugged in listening to something nattering on in my ear about where I am, I'm not paying attention to the actual landmarks that I need to orient to where I am anyway. Like it just feels like I'm going to lose some of that. And I feel, yeah, you know, I never really, I never articulated it before, but with Ira too, like Ira can guide me somewhere. Mm-hmm. I could walk with it. And it, like somebody was telling me they found the SkyTrain station that way from wherever they were. And I, it's like, well, that it almost feels like cheating. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, if someone's oh, oh, veer to your left, you got someone coming towards you. Oh, there's a pole on your right. You know, like whatever. Like that's, I don't know. That just feels like. But what about when they're not there? And like, how realistic is that to be able to pay somebody every time I need to go somewhere? I don't know. I I am proud of the mobility skills that I have. And yeah, there are situations where you come across a construction site and you're like, oh, there's a ribbon across here. What does that mean? Yeah. You know, how do I get around this where I can see that would be really useful? But right. yeah, it is a bit scary that we might become too reliant and and then there go the skills that we've worked so hard to get. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's that's part of my fear as well. Um, I think that stuff like Ira is is great as an add-on tool or add as at your as a supplement to a really good foundational um, mobility set of skills. Mm-hmm. But you know, honestly, people are lazy, mm-hmm. and uh, they'll often go you know the quickest, easiest route. And you know, so especially you know with the next generation so tied to smartphones and you know, emergent technology that, you know, the easier that it becomes, you know, the less sexy the idea of going out and, and you know, doing hard O&M might, might be to them. So, yeah. And there's so, I mean, I would say mobility is 
is the one area that there just is so not enough of and people don't have enough skills, generally speaking. Yep. So that's frightening to think that they might get less because there's this technology available to help them. But don't you guys sell Iris? So shouldn't you be saying it's the best nope. thing ever? And nope. <laughs> yeah, no, no, we, no, sell it. No. Okay, that's fine then. We, 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 can we, we do we, we do sell GPS systems though, and and those are the best thing ever. Okay. <laughs> I do sometimes if I get lost, log in just Google Maps, and usually that. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't. But I, I the idea of talking signs. Um, I like that idea. Like, sure. I like the idea of the world being more accessible, mm -hmm. not necessarily of me using something to be able to do the basic things. Do you right. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I want to go to a mall and be able to sort of figure out what every store is as I walk along and decide if I want to go in that store or not. I think that would be cool. It's coming. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Sean, it's been an absolute delight talking to you once again. Thank you. Uh, you need to apologize to her. Uh, what? I didn't. Uh, you called me old. I didn't. I, <laughs> you can't you know leave what? her on this that morning, note. <laughs> this morning I was talking to a group of seniors and I, I forget. I made some reference to being young. And then I thought, oh, I'm not going to be able to say that. <laughs> like, I can get away with it if the mean age in the room is like 80, but... <laughs> So thanks for the reminder, Ron. <laughs> harsh. It's a little harsh. Yeah. Uh, give the gala another plug. Tell us when it is, where it is, and how people can get tickets. April 6th at the Executive Inn um, near Lowheed Skytrain Station, so kind of Burnaby Coquitlam border. And uh, $100 a ticket, and you can purchase them on our website, winebeginnings.ca. And it's and a good time. Come. It's a good yeah. time. Mm -hmm. It is a good time. And I, yeah, well, take it from them because obviously I'm going to say it's a good time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just say I check out our website. We have a Facebook page, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Um, we've created a Blind Beginnings group for parents that you can access through our Facebook page. So any parent in BC who has a child that is blind or partially sighted, if you want to connect with our group, that would be awesome. We've got only maybe 45 people in the group so far. So I know there's a lot more out there and they don't necessarily know about the group yet. It's really new. So I feel like that might be another way that families can connect with each other and ask questions and share resources and stuff. So, and if anybody is interested in the director of operations position, check that out on our website as well. So yeah, go to the web, read all about <laughs> us. We're great. <laughs> you are. And we thank will you. include all those links in our show notes. Awesome. Thank you. All right, Sean. Thanks again. Thanks for having me. You betcha. And we will talk again soon. Okay. Take care. Bye. 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 Man, she's the hardest working person I know. She she, she gets a lot of stuff done. Mm -hmm. and, she really uh, does. She's She's making... A monumental change in the lives of a bunch of yeah. bunch of kids. Yeah. Um, you know the stuff that she's she's teaching. Uh, they wouldn't necessarily get anywhere else. Nope. So I guarantee yeah. they wouldn't get anywhere else. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's hard to believe it's ten years. It had ten year anniversary last year. Yeah, mm -hmm. crazy. You know, seems I, like I, only yesterday. Yeah, it seems like just yesterday. I mean, we remember hearing that she had she had left CNIB in order to pursue it. Yep. So, man, it made made incredible. Um, groundwork in just 10 years. So I would love to see it go national. I, I hope that it gets there one day. Yeah, she's right, though. It would be hard to do it regionally because there are so many differences. You'd have to have a chapter for every yeah, province. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, again, that's a big step. I can understand her being cautious about not wanting to, to overstep and, and stumble. Um, but still, I mean, there's just there's so many outlying communities um, all over the country that would just benefit even just from an online component for some of these programs. Yep. Um, you know, especially the, the, the parent workshops. I mean, for, for new parents who, who have infants who are visually impaired, it's gotta be so scary and you just don't know where to turn. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, if you're a, if you're a parent that's, you know, never had experience with with blindness in their lives and all of a sudden they have a kid who's who's blind or visually impaired 
um, it's a it's a steep learning curve, and yep. uh, and it's not always obvious where you can go to get information and and help. So, and again, it speaks back to you know people just don't think about these things until the day that that they are required to. Mm-hmm. So you know, in a way that that's that, that's why people just there's just no education out there, or not so. enough for sure. <clears throat> Hey, Ryan. Rob. Where can people find us? They can find us online at atbanter.com. They can also drop us an email, if they so desire, at cowbell at atbanter.com. Okay. No, I'm just, okay. Well, we may have to rethink where we placed it. Do you think we might have placed it too close to Steve? He's, you know, <laughs> he's cowbell happy. Like cowbell. <laughs> we'll have to get him a second one so we can do dual cowbells. Ooh. Ooh dueling cowbells. That's right. I like that. Idea. Maybe we Actually, did, he maybe bought that one. <laughs> that's yours, Steve. That's yours, Steve. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to get just. Oh yeah, one. that's right. Mm. Yes, mm. my my one donation to the uh, AT Banter <laughs> podcast is the cowbell. Your presence is welcome all the time. Yay! I haven't burned that bridge yet. Not yet. Okay. <laughs> I'm the one that keeps leaving his coffee cups down here. Ryan to spill. So if anyone gets booted out of the guitar deck. <laughs> Oh, you're welcome too. Uh-huh. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's going to about do it for us this week. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. And we'll see everybody next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C A N A S S T E C H.com or call us toll-free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. Music provided by bensound.com. Whoa, look at that. Master of the one take.